my name's Amy and I'm going to be doing this second reading, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. As Mark mentioned, you have some booklets that should have been on your seats when you came in and the reading today is on page 12 um, and the booklets are going to be very useful at helping guide you through this series. Um, and I was having a little dilemma as to whether to read from the Holmans or the NIV, but Pippa Donovan got so excited about the possibility of NIV, I thought I'd better stick to that. <laughs> All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Amy. On our screen is our vision statement for Church by the Virtue. It says, living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. Living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. I find that quite confronting because what I'm saying is that if I belong to this church, you should expect me to live for Jesus in all things and to love like Jesus in every way. That is challenging. That is confronting, isn't it? It's on our notice board outside. It's on our website. It's on all our publicity. And what we're saying is walk into this church and you'll find a, a group of people who live for Jesus in every, uh, every part of your life. Walk into this church and you'll find a group of people who really do love like Jesus selflessly indiscriminately, compassionately. There's a big call, isn't it? Living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. See, we as a church need to live up to our claims, don't we? And as we dive into 1 Thessalonians, I hope that you'll be equipped and empowered and encouraged to actually do what we claim to do. And I've chosen this letter because the Thessalonians were the model church. That's the, the word used in verse 7. You became a model to all the believers in Asia. This church in Thessalonica was, was renowned throughout the whole of Asia. They are the people who love God. That's the church that love each other. They are the church who live for Jesus. They are the church who love like Jesus. Just so you know, uh, Thessalonica is in uh, Greece, it's on the map there, top left-hand corner. 
uh, in AD 50, it was actually the second largest city in Greece. And if you lived in AD 50, you could stroll down the promenade and sip a latte in an open-air cafe. You could sit by the harbour and watch ships come and go. You could go shopping in a Roman mall. You could go dancing in a Roman nightclub. It was cosmopolitan. It was trendy. It was Sydney. And that's where the Apostle Paul went. He didn't go for a holiday. He didn't go for a business trip. He went there to preach Christ. And what's extraordinary is just before he went to Thessalonica, he'd been in Philippi. And in Philippi, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was imprisoned. And as, he, as he was released from jail, he walks on foot. No bus, no train. He walks on foot 160 kilometers, like from Sydney to Newcastle. And he walks to Thessalonica, and the first thing he does, he gets there and he talks about Jesus. He's kind of this model evangelist. He, he goes to the synagogue, he goes to God's people, he, he looks about their scriptures, he listens to them, he persuades, he reasons, he points them to Christ. And the amazing thing was, after just a few weeks, uh, there's these believers in Thessalonica. The, this new church is formed. But this mob that we just read about, they, they force him out of Thessalonica overnight now let's imagine, if you had believed the gospel, you become a Christian in Thessalonica, and you wake up one day, and the person who led you to Christ has fled, what are you going to think? He's a fake, he's a fraud, I can't go on without him. And so Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out how the church is doing, and miraculously they're doing really, really well. Uh, one Thessalonians I describe as, the most cuddly letter in the New Testament. And it's so cuddly because Paul is saying, I love you like a, a mother loves her children. I care for you like a, a father cares for his son. I love you. God loves you. Love each other well. It's all about love. That's why we call it dearly loved. So Church by the Bridge, what do we want to be like? Here's my first point this afternoon. We want to be a people belonging to God. That is the most important thing about church. You belong to God. I belong to God. We are not a random group of people who meet together every Sunday. We're not a club. We're not just good people. We are God's people. Look at verse 1. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we often just skip over that verse. It's actually really important. See, see Paul would normally write to the church of God in Thessalonica, to the church of God in Philippi, to the church of God in Colossae, to the church of God in Corinth. He doesn't write that. He says to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father. That's so important. Thessalonica is just the city where they live, but actually, more importantly, they are in God. They are in God the Father. They are in the Lord Jesus Christ. They belong to God. That is the most important thing you need to hear today. More important than anything else, people need to see that we as a church are people who have this relationship with God. Now, belonging to God is, is far more important than having your name on a serving roster for afternoon tea or kids' church or reading the Bible. And belonging to God is far more important than the amount of money you give to church. They say, we belong to God. We're in God the Father. What does that mean? Well, Paul unpacks that down in verse 4. 
He says, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that God has chosen you. It's an extraordinary verse. We know, brothers and sisters in Christ, we know that we're family. And we know, verse 4, that we are loved by God with this sacrificial, steadfast, unconditional, immovable, extravagant love. I'm so glad that verse 4 says that I'm loved by God and not that I need to love God because my love for God fluctuates more than the stock exchange, up and down, up and down, up and down. It's not about my love for God. It's about God's love for me. And what Paul is saying is that God sees us with all our baggage and all our failings and he still loves us with a cross-centered, never-failing kind of love. I'm loved by God. And I belong to God. I'm not just loved by God because, verse 4 tells me, I am chosen by God. That's extraordinary. I'm chosen by God. God saw me before time began. God picked me out, if you want. God elected me. And said, he or she is going to be part of my family. One of my friends at school was uh, called Jamie, and he knew from a very early age, he was told from a very early age he'd been adopted. And you know how teenagers can be awful and spiteful and say nasty things, and they said, oh, you're adopted. And his comeback was this. He said, I love the fact I'm adopted because my parents actually picked me out and chose me. That's how much they love me. And we can sit here this afternoon and say, God picked me out and God chose me. That's how much he loves me. That's what it means to belong to God, that you are loved by God and you are chosen by God. At our belonging course, we always ask the question, can you belong to church if you don't belong to God? It's a great question. Can you belong to a church if you don't belong to God? And the answer is, you know, you're always welcome if you don't belong to God. You're always welcome. You're part of this gathering, and we want to love you and care for you. But you're not part of the family until you actually belong to the Father. But if you do belong to the Father, you've got to go, wow, he loves me and he chose me. I want to say, Paul would write to us, to the church of the Kiribillians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, we are people belonging to God. Number two, we are people filled with the Holy Spirit. We are people filled with the Holy Spirit because belonging to God is the work of the Spirit. Remember when uh, Jesus met Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and he said, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus said, that's impossible. He said, yeah, it is impossible unless the Spirit's at work. That's what Paul says down in verse 5, that we know that you are loved by God and God has chosen you because, verse 5, our gospel, the good news about Jesus, came to you not simply with words, but with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. That, that triad, power, spirit, conviction, they're saying the same thing three times. It's, it's the Holy Spirit who brings power to Paul's words. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the deep convictions in the Thessalonians. And so when Paul went to Thessalonica, he preached the gospel. He used words. That's important. Paul did not go to Thessalonica and you know, live a good life amongst them and do some nice kind acts and hope that they see Jesus. He actually spoke the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, you know, words without spirit 
are actually weak. You ever, maybe you're doing it right now, but you ever listen to a sermon and you're thinking, what is he talking about? blah de blah, blah blah just words, 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 words. But there's a difference when the Spirit takes those words and convicts the hearts of the listeners to actually believe those words. That's what happened when the gospel was preached in Thessalonica. Suddenly eyes were opened and people became Christians. And verse 6 tells us that they welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit, that is a supernatural work, isn't it? When people are willing to suffer for the gospel, when the people still keep following with joy in spite of their suffering, only the Spirit of God does that in the work of the believer. We talked earlier on about doing the funeral for Mahio on Mahio's dad on, on um, Tuesday night. But his conversion story is miraculous, isn't it? It's 12 months today. Today, that he sat in this church, he stood in this church, walked out of this church, and said to me, I need to find out about Jesus. From a Muslim background, from Iran, I need to find out about Jesus. It's 12 months tomorrow, he had his surfing accident that broke his neck. As he lay in the hospital bed, completely paralyzed, he said, I need to find out about Jesus. And so I took my laptop into North Shore Hospital every Monday afternoon, and I just went through Christianity Explore with him. And week three of that course is when Jesus hears the paralytic. Have I told you this story before? And we're sitting there watching this video, and he says, stop the video. He says, my English is not great. What is a paralytic? I said, oh, someone whose legs don't work. He said, what, like me? I said, yeah, like you. So Jesus is saying that this man's biggest need is forgiveness of sins more than his legs working again. I said, yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. And Mahia looked at me and said, that's my biggest need, forgiveness of sins more than my legs working again. And that was the moment he gave his life to Christ. Now, how does that happen? It only happens because of the person and work of the Spirit. How has it happened that his mum and dad are now both believers? His, na- his dad is now in glory because he's a believer in Christ. It happens because the Spirit is at work today. When the gospel goes out, the Spirit is at work opening hearts, opening minds, helping to see who Jesus is. So let me ask you, when was that for you? When did you receive the message with deep conviction and with the power given by the Holy Spirit? When did you receive the message with joy in spite of suffering? For me, it was 28 years ago. And I spent two years investigating Christ. And there was just one light bulb moment. Just one light bulb moment in my bedroom when I read, Who do you say I am? And that's the most important question that Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Now, what was it about that evening that was different? Nothing was different. The only difference was that that was the moment the Holy Spirit chose to work in my life to bring the conviction and the power to God's Word. So when was it for you? When did you know that you were loved by God and you're chosen by God? When did you receive the gospel with the power and the conviction given by the Holy Spirit? It is liberating, you know, because we can't convert people. You know, we're about to start Alpha. And we'll start Alpha with loads of people investigating. And they'll all sit there with all their questions. And and we cannot predict which of those people are going to believe at the end of the course. 
And God often takes us by surprise, doesn't he? The people who you think are closest to the kingdom don't actually believe, and the people who you think are furthest away suddenly give their lives to Christ. Let's praise God for the work of his spirit. So church, we're a people belonging to God. We're a people filled with the spirit. We're a people working for God. Because church is not just about what we believe. It's what we do that matters. Verse 2. We always thank God for all of you. I love that about Paul. He's always full of gratitude. I continue to mention you in our prayers. Every time he prays, he, he thinks of the Thessalonian church. Now, what does he pray for? What does he remember? Verse 3. I remember before our God and Father your, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. What's the three things that Paul mentioned? And we, we read that verse and we think, oh yeah, he's thanking God for their faith and their love and their hope. The great Christian triad, faith, hope, and love. Faith in Christ, love for God, hope in Christ. And that is true. But he doesn't say that. Look at verse 3 again. He says, we remember your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope. He's saying that the, the faith, the hope, and the love are just the foundation. Everything springs from them. But what he is thankful for and what he remembers is here's the church who are working, laboring, and enduring. Here's a church where their faith is actually being shown in action. And those words for work, labor, and endurance are the, the building site works words. They are sweat, they are toil, they are labor. This church is serving the Lord Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. A faith in action. A faith that works. You see, God does not just want us to stuff our head with good theology. He wants us to have that theology turn into action in what we do. God doesn't want us to take these booklets and write copious notes and file them away somewhere that you never read them again. He wants the Word of God to change your faith in Christ and to lead you to do stuff, to serve your Savior. I'm so thankful for this church. On, on Wednesday night, we had over 120 people gather in this church. And those are just the leaders. Connect leaders, kids' church leaders, music leaders, welcome leaders, Youth leaders, just these people who give their time and their talents to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just leaders, you know. I'm so thankful for a guy called Ben Chu who labored away in the kitchen the whole of Wednesday night, cleaning and doing the dishes, working for his Savior. He, he may never lead a Bible study, but he's working hard for his Savior. The people who count the money, the people who clean the carpets, the people who stack the chairs, the people who do the sound, the people who actually put into action what they claim to believe. Your work produced by faith, says Paul, your labor prompted by love, a love that labors. If we love Christ, if we love people, we should work hard at loving people better. Loving people better. Now we claim to love like Christ, don't we? Loving like Jesus, we say. And let's be honest, that is hard work, isn't it? That requires labor. 
and my love for people, it's got to be motivated by Jesus, but when people come through these doors, I'm called to love them in action. What do you do when I stand up and say, you know, the Maleki family are in financial need? Bring a plate on Tuesday night to the funeral. What do you do when you're in a conversation at the barbecue tonight and someone tells you all their deepest problems in life? Do you do what the book of James says and say, oh, that's nice, I'll pray for you? Or do you actually make an effort this week? Yeah, it might cost you some time and some energy and maybe some money to go and visit, to cook a meal, to sit and listen. That's a love that labors. And a hope that perseveres or endures, verse three, uh, their, their trials, their aches, their pains, their sadness, their sickness, their disappointments, their despair, they do not give up, they keep on pressing on in Christ. Now, isn't that what you want this church to look like? Not a church full of events and programs and activities and people being guilty into serving, but people who, who just naturally work and labor and endure because it's all based in Christ. And then lastly today, are people witnessing to others? Are people witnessing to others? Here's the model church. It doesn't put on a missional events. It is just naturally missional. Look at verse 7 and 8. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Uh, the word for rang out there is the, the bells that are pealing. You know, the church bells, you used to ring the bells. And you could hear the bells for like two kilometers away. Uh, and what it's saying here is that the, the people in Macedonia and Achaia, that is another part of Asia, miles away from Thessalonica, they are talking about Jesus because of the example of the Thessalonian church. They've never met them, but they've heard about them. I, I imagine before internet and before social media, and before marketing campaigns, uh, this church were just getting on with the business of loving Jesus. And in a, a completely different part of the city or town or country, you've got people saying, have you heard about those Thessalonians? That church there is amazing. Like they love Jesus and they love each other well. And they, s they work so hard for their Savior. But, but most of all, it's, it's all because they love Christ. Have you heard about that church in Thessalonica? That there was a person there in need. And gosh, they were so generous. I must find out about Jesus. Can you imagine that? Walking along Balmoral Beach and you eavesdrop a conversation. And someone says, have you heard, have you heard about that church in Kirbilly? People there are amazing. Like they love each other so well and they love Christ. And I think I'm going to check it out. I'm not a Christian, but I'd love to go and find out. You're on a plane and someone says, Oh, there's a church in Kubali. I've heard about that church in Kubali. I hear that you guys, like, you, you love Jesus so well. And you love each other well. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, we don't need to put ads in Mossman Daily. We don't know, like, blogs on our website. People are just naturally talking about us as a church. Because of the way we love God and love each other. Do not underestimate the power of the local church as we just live out our Christian lives. And I would be very, very happy if someone said this about Church by the Bridge based on what they'd heard about us. Verse 9. 
I'd be happy if they said they tell how you turn to God from idols. Oh, those Christians in, in uh, church by the bridge, they've given up their idols. They don't find their identity in money and success and holidays and looks and intellect. They've turned away from those things and they've turned to God and they're trusting God alone. Oh, those Christians in Cuba, they are, they are serving the living and true God. They believe that Christ is alive and they're serving him faithfully and sacrificially. They're living for Jesus. And that church in Kirby, verse 10, they are waiting for Jesus to return. They're living expectantly, waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to, to return. And that word for wait in verse 10 is that, it's that active waiting. It's like on the, on the train stations when the sign says, uh, next train, one minute. And everyone on the platform just looks in one direction and goes, looking for that train to come. That's what we're supposed to be doing, living lives, looking upwards, saying it could be today that Christ returns. We're waiting for Christ to come back because our security is not in the eyes of this world. And our satisfaction comes from serving this living God we're about to meet when he returns. I'd love people to say about church by the bridge that we've turned, we are serving, and we are waiting. Because the reality is, as I said before, people don't just wake up on a Sunday and go, oh, I think I did church today. But they do hear about church. And you know, sadly, what they hear about church is not always positive, is it? It'd be amazing if at Church by the Bridge, we were really known for people living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. So there we are, in the church who belong to God, Filled with the Spirit, working for God and witnessing to others. But please, please don't write copious notes and file away somewhere. J just spend a moment right now, right now. Just think about what I've said or look at what you've written and just pick one thing, one thing that you want to meditate on for this week. I'll give you space to do that right now. says, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that God has chosen you. And this bread and this juice is a symbol of just how much God has loved you and the reality that God has chosen you. So if you hear this afternoon, you belong to God, you're in Christ. Uh, take this bread, it's gluten-free bread, and take the juice. Hold on to it. We're going to sing in Christ alone as, we, as it comes to you, which reminds us that our security, our identity, our satisfaction is only in Christ. And then together we're going to stand and we're going to eat and drink together to express that we actually belong to God together. We are church. We are family. We love God and we love each other. If you're here this afternoon, you'd rather not take the bread or wine for whatever reason, let it pass you by. Let's stand and we'll sing together. Actually, we're going to say confession together, aren't we? Confess. Let's stand and confess and then we'll sing. So we say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, 
you are merciful and kind. But we've gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbors as ourselves. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbor and to live for your honor and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord.